Morning, everyone. Good to be together this morning. What a wonderful day uh, to be together. It's uh, not a usual Sunday, as uh, you would know if you received any communication. And as Colin mentioned, what today is, is it's what we call like a, a family moment, a Constantinburg family moment. I guess you could call it a time of envisioning. So what I, I get to do is I get to preach, get to open God's word to us, but I also get to put on my visionary slash leadership hat. And, uh, and so I ask for a little bit of latitude as I preach this morning, that I'm, I'm both preaching the word of God and also bringing leadership to us as a church family. And you'd know we've got some big and very exciting news to share with you as God leads us into, into a new season of abundant fruitfulness as a local church. Uh, if you're visiting us from another church, maybe you're new to church, uh, maybe you're not even sure what church is all about, it's great to have you here. Hope you feel welcome. I've got no doubt someone's come over and said hi to you. We're a friendly bunch of people. And uh, it's, it's good that you're here. What, what, you get to kind of look under the hood of the car to see what's happening in the inner workings of this church. Where's our heartbeat? And uh, what are we all about? And what are we trusting God for as a local church? So good Sunday for you to get a look behind the curtain. Okay, I want to get straight into it, so let's go. There's a, there's a fascinating account of the early church in, in Acts chapter 6 that I want us to look at. And as we track the account of this early church in Acts 6, there's a lot that we can learn uh, for us today as Constantiburg, Common Ground Constantiburg. The, the stories aren't exact in detail, but there are some clear principles and learnings that we can take out of this journey of the early church that apply directly to us and our journey right now. And as I share, I'm trusting God to do a few things. I'm trusting God to put an excitement in our hearts, to, to put an, a sense of increased faith and expectancy for what God has for us. I'm, I'm trusting God, and I've been praying for Him to encourage us, to exhort us, to fan us uh, into flame, as it were, and also to mobilize us to awaken us, to, to get us going, to get us moving, to get us all in as he moves us into the season that he's taking us into. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to get stuck in. God, thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to gather together. We just acknowledge the presence of your Spirit amongst us. We give you reign in our hearts and in our lives that you would speak to us, that you would transform us, encourage us, correct us, exhort us. We want to be more and more like you, and as a church, we want to be and do what you've ordained for us. And so God, let it be so. Amen. Okay, some background to this text in Acts chapter 6. I mean, this is early on in the life of the early church. It's not long after Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that God pours out the Holy Spirit on the church, and there's this ignition of power in the local church. And, you know, it's not long after the outpouring of the Spirit that 3,000 people are added to the church. And it says also that people are being added daily. And then later on, it says 5,000 men were added to the church. That's just in Acts chapter 4, just two chapters earlier. And then even as we read today's text, you're going to see that the number of disciples were increasing. So there's a real fruitfulness in this early church. So let's read. Acts, I'm going to read from the last verse of uh, chapter 5. It says, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped preaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. In those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread 
the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, this is God's word, and may he speak to us and bless us through it. So the first observation that I want us to pick up from this this story about the early church is this. The local church is made for fruitfulness. The local church is made for fruitfulness. I mean, we've spoken about it, chapter one, uh, verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. In those days, the number of disciples were increasing. And then it ends in, in a similar vein in, chapter, in verse 7. It says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so you, you see this, this passage of Scripture starts with this fruitfulness, then there's this something in the middle, and then it lands again with this, this increase, this fruitfulness. Now, I hope you know that Jesus' plan and purpose for the local church, for this local church, for every local church, is fruitfulness. We exist to preach the gospel to make disciples of all nations, to be an alternative community that both reflects and is also seeing the kingdom of God increasingly breaking into this world in our individual lives. So both together and as individuals, we represent Christ, but we're also part of seeing his kingdom break into this world through our lives. That is why we're here. It's why Jesus didn't take us with him into heaven, that he's left us with a mission to be fruitful, And the second observation I want us to see from this text that I've just read is that there are times that the local church will face challenges to its fruitfulness. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews complained against the Hebraic Jews. In other words, the Greek Jews were complaining against the the home-born Israelite Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So slotted in between these two descriptions of of fruitfulness, verse one and verse seven, you have this curveball. It's a complexity that comes into the life of the church. It's It's a challenge of food distribution. But actually it's deeper than that. It's about ethnicity and favoritism. It's nasty stuff. You've got homegrown Hebrews discriminating against, you know, Greek uh, expat Jews. Now, I think we've got to be careful. Sometimes we idolize the early church and hold them up like they didn't have any problems and they were the, the perfect, you know, there's a model there for us to learn, but, but they weren't perfect. They also experienced the very same types of challenges that we experience today as the local church. But the real challenge, the deeper challenge that this church was facing at this time was the danger posed to the advance of the gospel because the apostles were potentially being distracted from their primary calling of prayer and preaching the word to deal with this this challenge of food distribution. And it does happen in the life of the church that sometimes things happen that potentially curb or sidetrack the levels of fruitfulness of a local church. Things can happen in the life of the church that impact and curb levels of fruitfulness. Now the food distribution, it's it's a legitimate gospel problem that needs to be addressed. It has to be dealt with, but the wrong people are busy addressing it at first. And it's not good for their continued fruitfulness. Okay, that's, that's the church in Acts 6. I want to change track. I want to speak about us today, Common Ground Constantiaburg. Guys, Constantiaburg is made for fruitfulness. And Heather, you said it's so beautiful. I mean, we have had many years of fruitfulness as a church over the last 12 years. But I just want to stop and reflect on 2022 for just a moment. Sometimes we don't stop. We don't stop to just say, God, I recognize your fingerprints. God, I recognize that you've been at work. I recognize all that you've done amongst us and stop to actually give God some praise. And there's lots for us to celebrate. As a church, we are in a fantastic space right now. You know, we were trusting God as an eldership team for a cue, particularly in a few key areas, especially as we emerged out of two years of COVID that were extremely challenging for us as a local church. We were, we were trusting God in the area of next gen. 
And we really wanted to trust God for the right people. I'm thinking particularly in the area of high school ministry and young adult ministry. Really wanted to see God do something. Hasn't God answered our prayers? I mean, every Sunday, here they are right here. High schoolers sitting here, worship nights, the high schoolers are here. Actually, the high schoolers are more and more becoming a vital part of who we are as a local church. It is absolutely exciting. And you guys are the church of today. And in the band, I mean, you guys have your own band, but you're also filtering into other bands. It's just fantastic. And, you know, we, we barely had any young adults in the life of our church. Now, John and Kelly have launched a young adult life group. There's 13, 14 people that are meeting in their house every week. I mean, it's fantastic. This is God's faithfulness to us. Another area we focused on was to make Sundays great. You know, especially coming out of COVID, you know, you can preach on COVID, but what you can't do online is be together and enjoy the unique pleasure of God's presence as a church. And I want to say that in our Sundays, it feels like there's been, particularly over the last three, four, five months, this tangible sense of God's presence when we gather together, the sweetness in worship. There's been increased participation through prayers and contributions and prophetic words and testimonies and just words of encouragement. I think our bands are doing exceptionally well under the leadership of Sia and Claudette. <laughs> Guitar, drums, and cymbals. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but we made our meetings a little bit longer. They're actually 10 minutes longer and we changed the order of our meetings to do all our announcements up front so we could create just a greater flow we felt like uh, from then on out. And I think our preaching diet has been outstanding this year. I think the book of James has just been so enriching. And if we've taken that stuff to heart, man, we have left this year more mature than when we came into it, which is God's desire for us. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete. God has matured us this year. And then we've had these, of late, these emerging preaching voices, especially these younger voices, and, and of course, so exciting to have Kelly preaching. And then life groups. I mean, so much to celebrate in the area of life groups. Truth be told, life groups have received the least attention of anything from us this year. I keep hearing story after story of how people are, have a real sense of belonging and care in their life groups. That as people go through remarkable difficulties, pains, and joys, that they are surrounded with people that are moving towards them, mobilizing and caring for them in extraordinary ways. Something if you're not in a life group and you're one thinking the community doesn't care, you need to embed yourself into a life group and you're going to experience a completely different kind of family. And then another thing we wanted to really do this year was reconnect the family. I'm telling you, there's a real sense of family in this church. Blake and Rachel were with us earlier in this year. They haven't been in Cebu for a few years. Uh, Blake and Rachel, we sent them to Madagascar to plant a church uh, from this congregation. They came back and they said, guys, this church feels completely different to how we've ever experienced it. It just feels like it's family. It's warm. Everyone's so friendly, and it feels like there's so much connectedness. It was just so encouraging for us to hear that from someone who knows us so well and hasn't been around for a little while. I hear stories of people finding friendships for the first time, even in years of being part of a church, that, that actually there's friendships, real friendships starting to emerge, and people are being added to our number as we saw this morning. Guys, there's a lot to be grateful for. Can we, let me just give thanks to God. God, thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness to us. God, we know we're not the church we want to be, but God, you haven't left us where we were. You are moving us. You are moving amongst us. You are doing great things. We just want to acknowledge that. Thank you, God, that you are building your church, that you are always at work. Amen. God has us, have, has us in this beautiful space. And as we look into the future as an eldership team, we believe God's got a future of fruitfulness for us because Seaburg is made for fruitfulness. As an eldership team, when we look ahead, we have no doubt that right now God is positioning us and laying in us firm foundations for a coming season of abundant fruitfulness. Yeah, we've been through a lot as a local church over the last seven or eight years. And we feel like God has brought us to this beautiful, sweet space 
where these foundations are being laid, that he's ready to, in a sense, start to build up and for us to spread our wings and move into, into kind of a new season of fruitfulness in his goodness. I've always believed, I mean, we've always believed that there's a special anointing on this local church for an impact way beyond itself, way bigger than itself. Maybe that explains some of the challenges we faced over the years. But we believe this is a base church that Constantia begins to grow into a strong uh, and, and large base church that can plant churches, that can resource churches, that can support churches both in Cape Town but also beyond Cape Town, you know, into the world through our advanced partnerships. That's what we believe God has for this local church, that we're going to be a resource church, a church that's well-resourced, empowered by God to be generous in many ways to churches beyond ourselves for the advance of His kingdom. We believe God wants to make us a fully orbed church. That actually God's got an inheritance for us in every sphere of society, from cultural renewal to justice, as we see God's kingdom come. We know that we're a family church, that God's got a multi-generational blessing and expression on us that is gonna be absolutely exceptional. And then here's the big thing. We, we, we also know that God is calling us to be a healthy church, we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a church that loves God, that loves each other, that's growing in our faith. I mean, why would we want to multiply something that isn't healthy? We want to multiply from a place of health. So it feels like we're standing on the precipice of something truly special that God wants to do. We've got the sense like we, God's been working in us, laying these foundations, and, and we're right there about to spill into a new season. I'm not saying in 10 years from now, I'm saying in the next two years that God's going to do something exceptional in us. It's like he's planting us as this beachhead in the valley for, for kingdom and gospel advance, for decades of harvest and effective ministry ahead. It's a very exciting time to be part of Constantiaberg. It's a very, very exciting time to be part of, of this local church. So here's the next truth, uh, mirroring the church in Acts. Seaberg is facing challenges to its fruitfulness, just like the early church does. And there are three challenges, three complexities, three obstacles that we have to look at that are potentially going to dampen or curb our levels of fruitfulness as a local church. And as we, as we stand on the precipice of this new season, we need to look at these things. The first one, I'm just gonna focus on three. The first one is our venue. We know that since we launched this church in early 2010, we've been looking for a home for this church. We have spent hours, tens of hours, days in search of venues from the beginning, and we love this venue, and our venues have served us well, but we know they're not ideal. We know they can get loud, there can be a lot of distractions, there can be a lot of noise, the acoustics aren't always great. We long for better facilities for our next generation ministries, also where they're more connected to where we are, so that it's not so far away and we you know, lose people. And, and we know in COVID, we were unable to even gather together because the decisions were out of our hands in terms of what we could or couldn't do in our, in our venue. So that's the one thing. The second one is our joyful generosity. This is a potential barrier to future fruitfulness. We've produced a brief financial report. It's on every second page. It will also go out in a mailer. So if you get the weekly mailer, tomorrow you're gonna get a special mailer with that same report in it. Firstly, let me say we are so grateful for the continued faithful obedience to Christ in the area of generosity of so many families within our church. And the good news for us, don't read the report now. I can see your eyes. <laughs> Sometimes you wonder if your kids think, do they think I can't see them? Well, I can see all of you. <laughs> the good news after two years of COVID is that our finances are stable, that we managed to curb our spending, well done to the staff, and that we're not in any kind of crisis. But truth be told, our finances are nowhere near where they should be for a church like ours. And, and mainly there's three key areas. I think it's the number of families committed to regular, committed generosity to the local church in obedience to Christ. 
The other big challenge is the fluctuating number of families giving. It's like in any month, our, giving, our number of EFTs can fluctuate, so it makes planning very difficult. And then the third challenge is, is the average RAND amount that we get per EFT. And I'm going to expand on that later, and it's in the reports. I'm just mentioning them. Here's the third challenge, the third potential curveball that we're facing, and it's this, our eldership team. We need a healthy, flourishing, and larger eldership team to do what only elders can do in the life of the church. Now, as we stand on the precipice of this new season, this is an area of focus for us. Now, there's so much I could say here, but I want to focus on one specific thing. And in the backdrop of where God is taking us, this is so important and for me, so exciting. And I want to share some of my journey with you. Almost one year ago, I approached our eldership team and I sat down with the guys and uh, we referenced Rigby and Ryan as voices that we trusted, but I, I sat with the eldership team with my own sense of what God has for us as a local church. You know, this, this sense at the heart of the conversation was the sense for this, this area of this time of abundant fruitfulness that was coming. Like God has, God has settled us. He's establishing something and he wants to kick on. And part of that preparation for this new season is that God has a new team leader for a new season in the life of our church. Now, let me tell you a few things. I've got no doubt that God has placed me as the current team leader of the eldership team right here in Constantinburg. This is the best church in the world. <laughs> and I also know that God called me to lead this eldership team of this church as we navigated some great complexities and challenges and setbacks over the last five to seven years. Man, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> and I think God perfectly positioned and placed me and called me for that season. But there's this growing sense and conviction that I'm not the right person to lead us into this next season of fruitfulness. I've got a role to play for sure, a big role committed to that role, but it's a different role. Don't hear that Constantinburg needs something better than me. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you might think so. Depends. But, but the heart is that Constantinburg needs something different for this coming season of fruitfulness, of growth, different gifting, different skill set, different capacity. Now, of course, these, these changes are always multi-layered. You know, God speaks to us and we can make it all about that, but let's be real. You need to know that, that in, in my personal life, in our family, that there's a sense in which I am not thriving in my role as a congregational leader. That I feel like God called me for a season, but sometimes we can go beyond maybe, and, and there's not a thriving in my own personal life and journey with God. And like we see in Acts chapter 6, you want the right people in the right places for God's fruitfulness. Because when we've got the right people doing the right things, it's good for everyone. So as an eldership team, referencing those other key voices, there's this clear consensus that God is in this. I'm gonna stop right there and go back to the church in Acts. Let's keep reading. What do they do in the light of these challenges? Well, verse three, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. And so the proposal pleased the whole group and they chose uh, those guys. And then it says they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So I wanna highlight three ways, and I'm gonna mirror that for our story here. Three ways that, that, early, that the early church met these challenges is one, they moved towards the challenges. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men. From, they didn't ignore the challenges. You know, they recognized that there was a legitimacy of need here, that the food distribution was a problem and that it needed to be dealt with. Now, we know that, that any challenge always brings with it opportunity. Whenever there's a challenge, whenever there's a curveball, there's always opportunity with that. We know that God works for the good of all those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8. That's true for us as a local church, not only us as individuals. Because when you face these challenges, it's, sometimes you can take a step back, you can thoughtfully you know, think about and, and explore your ministry and how things are going, and, 
get a sense of the future and ask yourself what changes need to be made in order to live into the fullness of that. And so it's good to move towards the challenges. The second thing that that church did is they kept the main things the main things. The leaders of the early church prioritized the health of the church. They were clear in prioritizing the continued fruitfulness that comes through the advance of the gospel. They recognized that that they needed to maintain the health and the fruitfulness of the local church as a priority, and they remained unified in that process. It says this pleased the whole group. It's part of what elders are supposed to do is ensure the health and continued fruitfulness of a local church. And then thirdly, they made the necessary adjustments. This is just beautiful. It's beautiful to see. They made the necessary leadership and structural changes to ensure the continued fruitfulness of the church. They saw the opportunity in the challenge and made it happen. And part of those adjustments was to acknowledge that there's different roles and different capacities that various people carry, and you're better off putting the right people dealing with the right things. There was a need to focus on prayer and ministry of the word. There was a need to focus and intervene in the distribution of the food. And as different people were deployed into those um, things, the church continued to flourish. Okay, back to Constantinburg. We must respond to these opportunities that I've mentioned, these three opportunities. So I want to speak first to how we as an eldership team are responding. And then I want to speak to how you can respond along with us as a congregation. So first of all, Constantinburg, we must move toward the challenges, which is exactly what we're doing right now and what we have been doing as an eldership team. Number two, we must keep the main things the main things. And you need to know that our priority as an eldership team is to ensure the health and vitality and fruitfulness of us as our local church. That's what drives our prayers. That's what drives our conversations. That's what's driving our hearts as we seek to give servant leadership to this church. We prioritize the continued faithfulness through the advance of the gospel. And we're positioning ourselves and we're seeking to position ourselves as a local church in anticipation for decades of abundant fruitfulness that we feel like God's got for us in the near future. So we make the necessary adjustments. We make the necessary adjustments. So I want to look at those three challenges, and I want to speak to the the moves that we're making to address them. So Klaus, Yuri, why don't you guys make you up here and speak to our venue and what we're doing in light of that. Thank you, Dom. Right. Good morning, guys. Um, Let's put the slides on on there if we can. That would be fantastic. I think they're coming. Yes, you can go to the next one. Um, After 10 years, good people, we are on the brink of securing a new venue for us. We are this close. Yes, you can. I mean, it's really... um, We're going to share a little bit where we are, but the good news is we are almost, almost, almost there, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will get some more clarity. Um, Let's praise the Lord for this. It's really been God's timing. We've been looking for 10 years. We were moving in one direction of building a marquee, and then God said, no, I've got something better for you, and we are almost there with that. It's, It's, again, it's about fruitfulness, not only for us, but for our value, valley, sorry. Um, Don talked about decades of harvest. That's what this venue is all about. And guys, there's also a beautiful partnership with the Engea Kerk. They're just a kilometer down that way, and they were presenting exactly the same as we're presenting here today. They have been presented that as well at 9 o'clock this morning. So they're all in. It's really great. And what we see there is a campus for Christ. That's, that's the word. Um, I'm going to show you a tiny bit of what it's going to look like, and then Yuri is going to give a little update on where we are in the process and what the next steps are. But we are incredibly excited, and I just can't hide it. So, um, the Engea Kerk, the building, you can see it there. That's from the top view, and, and the big plan was there that we are going to build a chapel in the corner there. You see that blue dot. 
Uh, that's going to be their independent church. They're going to be meeting there on Sunday, 9 o'clock, and that's going to be their section of that property. Um, we are going to get the main building. That, that's the whole plan. We've been working with a team, with, with architects. Um, Colin has been really serving us extremely well in, in this, and there's a lot of other people as well. So let me show you the master plan of how it's going to look that new venue and you can it, it's a bit difficult to see on, on this picture there is one hanging there and there is one sitting outside so you can look a bit better later on but on the this is an aerial view of that property on the right hand side you see a new chapel um, on the corner there and it's got beautiful visibility and then the main building the auditorium will sort of stay the same. We're going to focus on the blue areas that you will see there. Those are all new next generation areas. So the key investment will be made into next generation in rooms for our kids. There is one big hole in the middle there, right in the middle. It's, it's difficult to see. This picture is a bit, but we've got them over there. But there's a main hole in the middle where currently frequency is meeting on Friday evening. That's where all our next gen is going to do worship. And from there on, they're going to go into their separate areas. It's, it's beautiful. Um, have a look at, at the better pictures on the wall and outside. How is it going to look? We've got some artist impressions of that. And if we go to the next slide, the church could look something like this. So we can just modernize it a bit, make it look incredibly welcoming, open up the space, be welcoming. There's a a big tent there for us to drink coffee. If the weather is bad, we can even drink coffee inside. Plenty of space. Next slide. You can see the welcome area here. The church building is as it is on the left-hand side, but there's a whole sort of um, Bedouin tent area where there is a super area to drink coffee together, to, to see each other, to really have that um, family feeling there. If we go to the next one, you can look at the back. This is how it's going to look if you drive on the roundabout. There is life. There are kids. There are, there are jungle gyms. There are, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be, I mean, that roundabout, guys, is one of the most visible roundabouts in the whole of the southern suburbs. There is hundreds of people dropping off their kids at schools there. It's going to be visible. There's new life. So this is almost a view from the roundabout. And then the chapel... Um, you see on the left there, that is the existing building. This will be the chapel building, um, which will be also a multifunctional building that can be used for a lot of other things as well. So that's where the Engea Kerk is going to, that's going to, yeah, they're going to call it their home. Now that's the chapel. And then if you look at the backside of the chapel, um, that's what you again see from the road, from Firgrove Way. You see a beautiful picture there of the cross in that chapel. It's going to be very inviting, but it's really going to say, hey, there's something special happening there. The auditorium, how's that going to look? Um, they just did a little picture. They, they just took uh, basically the preekstoel out and their space clothes for the band there in the middle. It might not be as big as this one, but there's space for the band. And the organ is gone. That's in the top left corner. We still don't know when that's going to go, but yeah, that will go. It, we don't know what we're going to do with it, but it's a beautiful auditorium. It holds about 350, 375 seats. It's going to be great for us. Later on, we can always extend the auditorium. We can go to 600. We've, we've looked at that as well. So basically, from an architectural point of view, we hope in the next couple of weeks to be ready to go to council with particularly the chapel, because that's step number one, building the chapel so that the Engeeker can move there, and then we can move in the main building. Are we completely there yet? No, but we're this close, and Yuri is going to talk about that. Yuri, over to you. Thanks, Klaus. Good morning, everybody. So if anyone's looking for an organ, we are looking for a home for an organ. I know <laughs> Megan and Klaus, I think that sort of living room area at the back, perhaps, I don't know. Um, so <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the small complexities that we will deal with in this process. Um, I, I think just to reiterate what, what Klaus and Don were saying, that um, I, I think that at the outset, this looked like a really complex project, but it really has been a Holy Spirit thing to see how you know, an, a, a, a complicated potential structure can be brought together. And I think, Colin, you were involved in the early, some of the early discussions, you know, how do, how do two churches partner uh, on, a, on a building? But how you do it is actually through, I think, the Holy Spirit stirring the hearts on both sides. And the Lord's not just doing something in our church. He's actually doing something in their church as well. Because what this is doing is um, 
you know, c creating an opportunity for a congregation that is an older congregation. They don't want to deal with the complexity of managing a big building, but they do want to have new life and new, uh, call it longevity um, for, for their community. And so this really is, I think, also just like we're speaking this morning about that and what the fruitfulness means for us. There's a fruitfulness for an Afrikaans community, in community in our valley. Um, and I think that actually when we put this together, it's going to be something that people who are not believers are going to look at it and say, well, I've, you know, the church has got a reputation, but, but sometimes for being factional and, you know, and, and to, to create something where people are really putting first the advancement of the kingdom is, is going to be a great um, testimony in itself. We, we're not, yeah, well, Klaus said we're not quite there yet, but um, in faith, we're coming to you today to tell you about where our hearts are at and the fact that we really are full of confidence that the Lord is going to get this over the line for us. Um, we have done work on our side, um, and, and we first say there's kind of two parts of something like this. The one is we have a responsibility to be rooted in reality and have people who look at numbers and spreadsheets and bank accounts and do all that stuff. But then there's also an element to which we look to the future and what, what may seem impossible for man is, is possible for God, right? And so looking forward and, and in a sense of expectation around the fruitfulness that'll come. And so striking that balance, we've got a team that's, that's doing that. Um, we, we have done the work on our side in terms of what um, we think we can afford and what we think the property's worth. Um, the other side on the NGKAC, they've done the same thing. They've gotten advice on their side, which is also important because they also need to be good stewards, right, of what the Lord has given them. And he has given them an amazing property in a strategic location. And they need to do the right thing with that for the kingdom. So we are in the process now. We've received feedback from them. And we're going to be putting a proposal to them as a team over the course of the next two weeks, we really hope, before close of play um, in December, of what we think we can afford and, and what we believe the Lord can provide for us so that we can make this possible. Um, and then we're going to be entering, I think we're going to go away for the Christmas break, and I think our hope is that we will be able to be prayerful um, as a community on our side and also on their side, so that when we come back in January, towards the end of January, we're in a position to actually agree a way forward. And that will mean having a contract that we can you know, agree the terms, agree how it'll work, and then we can push on um, and, and put, the, uh, put the structure together and then, God willing, start, start building. Um, I think there's a journey of, of prayerfulness and for the Lord's provision in this. We're moving in confidence. We are going to come back to you in January and say, guys, we do have more money that we need to raise, which we believe that God's going to give us. And so we're going to come back to you with more specifics on that and a process for how we really, you know, we, our commitment to them will be, this is what we believe the Lord is doing. Um, we, we do need to raise the following money, and we've got a period of time to do that. Um, and so that'll be kind of a second phase. And then hopefully not too long after that, when the Lord provides that money, which we believe he will, we'll be able to move forward and start the project. So hugely exciting. Please pray with us. And Don, I'm sure you'll take us forward on that journey. But uh, yeah, it's very exciting and a great building of faith for those of us that are involved. Great, thank you guys so much. I know it takes a lot of effort and time. So remember, I'm speaking about the three challenges that we are facing to our fruitfulness as we stand on the verge of the season that we believe God's taking us into. And, and we're moving towards the challenge of the venue. And it is beyond exciting and beyond what we could have imagined. The next uh, barrier or challenge is our joyful generosity. We need to move toward this, remember? That's what we learned from Acts chapter 6. So we're trusting God as a local church to increase and stabilize our regular committed giving as a local church so that we can live into the fullness of what God has for us. Now, if we continue as we are, we're going to hinder what we can do for God as a local church. So we're trusting God for you know, our regular committed giving family units. This is in the report. You can read it to increase by at least 30 to 150 families that are regularly giving to the forward movement uh, of the gospel through this church in obedience to Christ. We're trusting God that our monthly EFTs will stabilize that if you're giving to the local church, that you would set up a monthly EFT that goes off regularly so that we don't have spikes and troughs in our giving, which makes planning so difficult. And then we're also in, trusting God that our, our average 
rand amounts per EFT will increase by 10 to 15%. It might shock you to know that 50% of the EFTs that we receive are below 1,000 rand. Now, for some of us, that's the reality of percentage giving, but I would say for us as a, as a local church, and this is a tricky truth, but, but if I'm honest, as we move towards this challenge to our fruitfulness, if we're under-honoring God in our finances, the problem isn't financial for us as a local church. It's a real issue of worship. It's a real issue of worship that we have to move towards. Christ is worthy of our obedience. Christ is worthy of our trust, and he's worthy of our first fruits as he calls us to trust him through regular committed giving in the scriptures, particularly when it comes to money, this, this power that the Bible speaks about so much to be a counterfeit God in our lives. And these, these changes, these uh, tweaks, is what we believe we need to make as a local church if we're gonna live into the fullness of this abundant fruitfulness that God's calling us to. And then finally, our eldership team. How are we moving towards this and making the changes? Well, we, we've been on the lookout for almost a year now in response to, to what I spoke about. I remember saying to the team in Jan, Feb last year, I said, if we get to this time next year and nothing's changed, it's gonna be so bad for me, for my family, and for us as a church. Well, God has answered our cries and our prayers in the most beautiful way. And this is the really big news that I wanna share with you. That our eldership team has extended an invitation for Mark and Megan McKinley to join our full-time paid staff. There's a picture of them that's gonna come up from mid-January next year. Just a photo of them for now. There should be a photo with all the kids and everyone. Did I leave that out? Wow. You'll see a video of them nonetheless. Now, let me just say this. Some of you might be connecting the dots and saying, hold on, you just spoke about finances, and now you're talking about hiring new staff. That doesn't quite add up. But uh, let me just say this, two things. Firstly, in God's goodness and in Mark's sending church's generosity, they have offered to cover half of his salary for the whole of next year, which really makes this possible in the most remarkable way. This is God's faithfulness to us. And secondly, I want you to remember that there is a stretch that we're living into as a church because we sense that God is calling us not to maintain the status quo, but God is calling us into a season of abundant fruitfulness and we need to start expanding and preparing and maneuvering for this growth that's coming. And this is a strategic part of that. So they're a fantastic family. They were here a little while ago. Mark preached if you were here. You're gonna love them. Their kids, Ruth, Ben, and Joel are just fantastic. Here's a little video from the McKinleys just so you can catch a glimpse of them. Hey, Common Ground Church family. It's Mark and Megan McKinley here all the way from Johannesburg. And we are excited to be coming down in January 2023 to make Constantinburg our home. Yeah, we, we're super excited about the season ahead as we get to come and serve together as a family. Uh, we have three children, uh, Joel who's 17, Benjamin who's 15 and Ruth who's turned 12. And uh, we get to be on staff with the Constantinburg team and uh, we get to play a part just partnering with you guys and being part of this incredible adventure that God has not just called us to, but called you to as a church community. Mm. So we're excited. Yeah. We're looking forward to seeing you guys in Jan. Uh, but we just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as you go on this incredible holiday for those who are going away. Mm. But for those who are staying, well, enjoy the incredible weather down in Cape Town. See you guys soon. See you soon. Enjoy. Bye. So you need to know that we've been on a very thorough journey. They've been here. They spent 10 days with us. I saw them every day. We, the whole eldership team and Rigby, went up to Joburg for a day to see their church, to meet all their guys, to see everything that they're doing that size. We've spoken to many colleagues and ministry partners that Mark has worked with over the years. We've got a very consistent message and picture around these guys and their family. And they come highly recommended through many voices that we trust as a local church. Here's the thing. I am 
we are very confident that you are going to absolutely love these guys. Might sound, feel a bit weird now when you meet these guys and you have them in your home and you invite them around for dinner or lunch or a coffee, you are going to absolutely love them. They've got a, they love the local church. These guys love the local church. Mark has been in full-time ministry and on an eldership team at New Covenant Church, Bryanston, for seven years, and he's served on other eldership teams as well. This is a highly organized, all-in kind of guy who just loves to get things done. He brings the Joburg energy and vibe with him. He's spent time in the marketplace, building and expanding a very successful business. He's given leadership to a private school that they run at the church, all the way from preschool to matric. And he's given leadership to a staff of around 120 people. And actually, he's worked himself out of a job. He's raised up leaders in every sphere that actually there's not much left for him to do that side anywhere. This is a family. This is a guy who knows how to handle complexity, to multitask, and to love people the whole time he's doing all of that. It really, really is exciting for us. And it's what we believe we need as a local church as we step into the more that God has for us. So they're joining midway through Jan. Um, we've built in some, some landing time for them, just time for them to land in Cape Town, settle their kids in school, get to know the church, get to know us and understand us a little bit as a local church family. As I said, you're going to love them. We are confident that this is the man and the family that's going to uh, lead this church into the future. So we're planning on, on him being ordained as an elder and your new congregational leader midway through 2023. And it's very, very exciting for us. I know it's big news. I know for some of you it might be a bit of a shock. You know, things are going okay. Why now? Um, Oh man, God is calling us and stirring us for a season of fruitfulness. The only reason that we're moving towards this is because as elders, our role is to steward what God has for us as a local church. And this is our move in God to say, this is what God has for us. So let me say a few things. They are not coming to take anything away from me or anyone else. I started this process I was the one who went to the, the eldership team and said, this is what I believe God has for us. This is where I believe God has strengthened and called me. This is the season that I feel like it's time for me to move into. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm excited about this new season. I'm here to stay in Constantinburg. I love being in term. I love serving alongside other people. I love making them look good. This is not a step down for me. This is a step into the more that God has gifted and called me specifically to live into. Remember, I served alongside Terran for many years in the life of this church, and we did a fantastic job partnering together. So that's what we're doing as a local church. Let me just speak to your response to these opportunities as we look into this coming season. Firstly, I want to say to you, trust the eldership team. Trust the eldership team. I know I've shared a, a lot of news and some of you need time to process and you may need conversations and that's, that's fine. And we're open to that, but I, I wanna ask you to trust us. I wanna remind you that we're an elder-led church and we haven't acted in isolation. We've referenced key voices and we're moving into this fully confident that God is in this and it's what he wants for us. And secondly, I want to say, embrace the opportunities that this new season brings. Embrace these opportunities. One, embrace the McKinleys. I want to say to you, open your hearts and your arms and your homes to these guys. They're landing mid-Jan. Get them into your space. Get a coffee with them. Get a lunch with them. I want them to get to know you. I want you to get to know them. So move toward them. They are going to be available and keen to connect with as many of you as they can. Number two. Be happy for Heidi and I. Be happy for the Millers. Number three, pray for our church. Pray for our church in, in anticipation for this coming season. Number four, go to God and the scriptures in light of the call to regular committed giving. This is our response as a local church. If we don't do this, I don't think we're going to live into all that God has for us. 
So seek God around this call to regular committed giving. Set up a regular monthly EFT. Seek God about percentage giving, which is the model that we see in the scriptures. If you haven't started contributing yet to your home church, start today. And if there's a reason that you don't give, come and speak to us. We'd love to engage with you over that. And here's the last thing for you to respond to, is over and above this call to regular committed giving, prepare for big generosity for our venue early 2023. I know we've already gathered some funds, but God has more for us than we anticipated. This is going to happen. We're going to live into a permanent home. This is one of those things that our kids are going to look back on in 30 years from now and say, thank you, God, that our generation before us had the foresight and the faith to plant this church in this venue and location. Or they're going to look back and they're going to think, what were those guys thinking? This is a God-sized faith project. God is giving us more than what we could probably comfortably bite off or chew on. But it's just like him to stretch our faith a little bit. It's not stretching us way, way beyond, but there's a stretch. We need a minimum another two million in cash in contributions from us as a local church. Minimum two million. 3.5 would be way better. It's what I'm trusting God for, to minimize any kind of repayments and pressure on us as a church in terms of monthly expenses. This isn't wishful thinking. I really believe that as we pull together as a local church, if we all contribute that little bit every month and we trust God that we're going to get over this line comfortably. And I believe that there's one or two of you that God has blessed in order for you to be a blessing in this moment, in this life of the local church. And I want to call you to be faithful to that as God calls you. When the time comes and it's coming early next year, be generous. And in the meantime, pray and make provision. I'm going to land with this. What's waiting for us on the other side of these opportunities? What's waiting for us as we respond to this venue, as we respond to this call to regular committed giving, as we respond to embracing the McKinleys and adding to our team and repositioning for fruitfulness? What's waiting for us is what was waiting for the church in Acts, abundant fruitfulness, which is our desire as a local church. We don't want to maintain anything. We want to live into the more that God has for us. Everything I've shared with you today is in the light of that call to fruitfulness. In January, this year, I did a team talk. It was on Philippians 1. It says, be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. I asked the question, where does our confidence lie? Where does our confidence lie as a local church? And I summed up the passage in these words. I said, it is God who planted this church. And it is God who will put the finishing touches on it. So all the while, grow in fruitfulness together. God started this thing. And he's going to be faithful through his people. Amen. Why don't you stand where you are. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to sing a closing song. But I'm going to do something impromptu before that. I want to ask you to, to just turn around you into groups of three or four. If you're visiting us as a local church, please don't feel any pressure. You're welcome to pray if you want to. If you're shy, no pressure for you to pray. But why don't you turn into groups of threes or fours and just spend two minutes, one or two of you, just pray for our church, pray for God's provision, and pray for what I've shared with you today. Let's just do it right where you are. Even at the top, even at the top.